there, literary fans, and welcome to episode 29 of the Jeff Reads His Book podcast. I am your host, Jeff, and today we're going to be reading chapter 7 of Offworlder, a book I wrote in a month. Well, if you want to contact the podcast, why don't you head over to jeffreadshisbook.com, and there's three ways to contact me listed right there. And I will talk a little bit more about that at the end of this episode. Ooh, also, while you're there, why not buy a copy of this book and Bringing Balance? That's right, there's links to Amazon. You could get a print version. I think what's most exciting is somebody did buy a couple copies. <laughs> I don't remember, I don't know who or where it came from, but I did get some Amazon money like a couple days ago, which I think means it got purchased like 45 days ago, maybe? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I'm mostly doing this for fun because it's clear I'm never going to make back the money that I had to pay for this sweet microphone. <laughs> okay, okay, so let's get started today because we got a long chapter coming up, right? Uh, let's do some feedback. All right, so last episode when we read chapter six, we had a couple discussion questions. So my first question was, I did ask, what is your favorite savory pie? I pointed out like empanadas might count, stuff like that. So uh, let's go over to Laura. My lovely wife, Laura, does definitely, she says definitely chicken pot pie. How can you go wrong? Buttery, starchy crust, a nice thick gravy, chicken, veggies, all your food groups in one, sorta. Oh, and then you throw in pizza rolls. Okay, so pizza rolls through for a loop. So I think she's a little torn. All right. What did Glenn say? Glenn had a good surprise for me. Oh, I didn't even prepare for this podcast. What's, oh, oh, oh. He says quiches. Quiches are his favorite. I totally forgot about them. And they are fantastic. Who doesn't like like a scrambled egg pie, basically? I mean, they're awesome. And there's so many flavors to choose from. Very, very good. Favorite savory pie or quiches? Throw a hot breakfast into a pie crust. What's not to like? Good answer. All right, our second question. Do you hate Green Bay Packers fans? So what does Laura come in with here? Uh, oh, so Laura doesn't really answer the question. She just says probably not much else to do in Wisconsin besides be a cheesehead. Wow. So Laura is putting down Wisconsin. <laughs> All right. Glenn says, growing up in Chicago, Green Bay's nearest and longest rivals in football. That's because Glenn's a fan of, what, the the DeKalb Bears? <laughs> they moved to Chicago, but I'm sticking with the original name, baby. Uh, okay, so it has made me despise Packers fans. It hasn't helped that since the 90s, the win record has been 40 and 19 in favor of the Packers. Okay, so there's somebody who doesn't like the Packers. That seems, I don't know, I like that this little shitty town in Wisconsin still has a freaking NFL franchise, right? It'd be sweeter if like Canton still had one here in Ohio or all these goddamn towns. I think Portsmouth, Ohio argues that it has an NFL championship, which is pretty bitchin'. <laughs> and if you don't know where Portsmouth, Ohio is, that's okay because nobody does. <laughs> all right. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Question three from last last week. I asked what a lieutenant is. Uh, so Laura Googled it and says, Never heard the word in my life per Google, the Internet Search Authority. It's, quote, an archaic form of lieutenant. All right. So that kind of makes sense. It looks like it. So Glenn has a, uh, I think, the definitive answer. He says, there are two different pronunciations of the same word. You can use left pronunciation if you're British or pretentious. I think that might be British or pretentious. So, yeah. Okay. All right. That makes sense. I didn't. I've never heard. I don't know why I use that word. And, I mean, that's all there is to it. I don't know why I use that word. <laughs> I mean, it's maybe, it's probably, I'm going to put it down to it's less complicated to spell than lieutenant 
Lieutenant, there's an F. It's just L-E-F-T or whatever. I, I think that was the way to go in this book, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Right in. Go to jeffreadsbook.com and tell me if you think it's the right way to go. All right. So, as I said, we're reading chapter seven. This is a long one for this book. All right. It's going to be 10 pages long, so we're going to have to get cooking real soon. Can you hear the pages turn? Ooh. I bet you guys are jealous. You probably want to get yourself a paper copy of this sweetness. Um, oh, there's going to be a lot of names in it, it looks like, but, uh, this one's going to go heavy on the Henry, so, uh, I, if you don't like Henry, uh, maybe you turn off this podcast, <laughs> but stuff does happen in it, I'm pretty sure they don't go to any meetings, this is exciting, so we're going to get cooking right now as we dive in to chapter 7! So for today's episode, I am going to be sipping on a delicious glass of Dewar's White Label Scotch on the Rocks. Mm-mm. Mm. I know I almost always have bourbon on this show, but Dewar's was on sale in the state of Ohio this month, and so I bought myself a bottle, a little treat. A lot of the time, like, uh, my wife and I go to the orchestra, and I use usually opt for doers while I'm there. I think they have like, uh, I don't know, I use it as an excuse to drink hard liquor out. Not that it's cheap or anything, but we go to the orchestra during the summer because they have these like short one hour uh, concerts and then they have all these, uh, this party before and after. It's nice. It's nice. You know, it's in Cleveland. It's fancy. Very fancy. If you've never heard of the Cleveland Orchestra, look it up. Yep, because it's probably better than the one you're familiar with. Or you're not familiar with orchestras at all, like me, so I don't even know what they're playing usually, but good times, good times. And I get to drink Doors. So I actually opted to get this for at home. So I usually have like, uh, I don't know, I get these rebates for uh, Johnny Walker Red, and uh, Doors is like drastically better, I, I, in my opinion. I don't know. I think... Johnny Walker's not good till you get to that black, and I'm not a millionaire, so I'm not buying that. And I know that by millionaire, Johnny Walker black probably costs $30, <laughs> but I'm still not buying it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I do like scotch. Some of them I like, I don't know, I'm a little on the fence. Most bourbons I just do like. I think I like a little bit more of a bite to it, and scotch can be a little more mellow. Endures, definitely tasty. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I like this stuff. Okay, let's get started, shall we? Okay. Uh, I'm wearing glasses. Damn it. All right, let's try again. Henry's fur... Okay, why don't we just pretend that didn't just happen? Okay. Chapter 7. Henry's first work assignment came Thursday mid-afternoon. Isn't mid-afternoon, like, is there a dash in that usually? Mid-dash-afternoon? I don't think mid's its own word, even though it is in this book. A patrol in a town north of the temple had received a tip that there would be an attempt at a robbery of the local mercantile exchange. The sales of farm goods starting Friday morning... With the sales of farm goods starting Friday morning, the exchange's vaults were flush with coinage from various buyers. While this was not a remarkable day, the tip seemed solid. Henry... uh, Not Henry. uh, Hence, the patrol had requested the special reserves be present. If you remember, Henry is on the special reserves. The, quote, SWAT team (laughs) of... I, oh, just everything in this book makes me cringe. (laughs) Henry, along with seven other warrior mages, including Cindy and Devon, who we've heard of before, were briefed while riding north in a carriage by a senior mage. A local bartender said that a town hooligan had bragged about being paid for acting as a lookout on Thursday evening around dinner time. Another boy at an inn on the outskirts of town had reported a band of men arriving armed with crossbows and swords. Do you... Every time I read the word swords, I remember uh, the Saturday Night Live sketches where they had Celebrity Jeopardy. And, um... What? They'd always have, uh... 
Burt Reynolds and uh, what's his face? Sean Connery. Yeah, the Red October guy. Uh, they would always be on it, and uh, Sean Connery was always so hostile. And I remember one of the categories was S-words, and Sean Connery, <laughs> he answered some questions saber because he thought it was swords. <laughs> and then Alex Trebek yelled at him. Uh, yelled at him that it was just S-words, and he said it does start with an S. <laughs> it was so stupid. Oh, hmm. Good times. I am getting nowhere in this chapter. (laughs) The exchange had its own guards, but since the nature of the supposed heist wasn't fully known, some mages as insurance seemed prudent. Being the least experienced, Henry, Cindy, and Devon would be posted at various locations down the street from the warehouse that also housed the vault. The other mages would hide inside the building. South of the city, in a copse of trees, the carriage stopped, and the mages disembarked. The group dispersed after studying a map. To Henry's dismay, he was paired with Cindy and assigned to a tavern across the street from the exchange. Henry had rather hoped that she would be... Either... Oh, okay. Oh, Henry had rather hoped that she would be either alone or with Devon rather than alongside himself. I didn't know where that was going. I would have thought he would have hoped he would have been alone, but whatever. All right. Um, But he was in no position to argue. Cindy did not seem overly pleased with the arrangement either. The pair walked up the street towards the tavern wordlessly. Henry tried to look casual, but he was pretty sure he appeared stiff and tense. He glanced at Sydney and noticed a rectangular bulge appearing in her robes as she walked. Are you carrying something? he said, frowning at her. Without looking at him, she said, shut up, under her breath. Shut up! That's kind of like a whisper. Alright. Very subtle, Henry said, laughing. Cindy grabbed his arm. Listen up, McCallum, she said angrily. You need to be prepared, and pointing out a set of throwing knives is not good undercover technique. Why would you need knives, Henry continued. We're sitting in a tavern drinking until this is all over. We can't drink, she scolded. We have to be ready for action. She began walking towards the tavern quickly, and Henry had to jog to catch up. Inside the dark but pleasant tavern, both headed for a table near a front window. Cindy walked and sat in a chair with a clear view of the exchange. Henry sat opposite Cindy with his back to the exchange. Do we get all that geometry? (laughs) A serving girl strolled over to the table. Not a waitress, because we know they don't have waitresses. What the? Hi, all. Can I get you some drinks? Before Cindy could say anything, Henry spoke. Can I get your finest ale? Something dark? The server nodded. And do you have a juice or something for my lady? She's pregnant, he said, smiling at Cindy. She glared at him furiously. Oh, of course, just a moment, the server said, and scampered away. What the hell was that? Cindy said quietly, but with real anger in her voice. We're in a tavern. Who doesn't drink in a tavern, Henry asked. Spies and pregnant women. (laughs) He shrugged and looked around the bar, ignoring Cindy's scowl. The server returned with two large mugs. A grape juice for the mother-to-be, she said, smiling and placing one mug in front of Cindy. The angry mage forced a quick smile at the young waitress. And an ale for the father-to-be. Would you be interested in anything to eat? Not right at the moment, Henry explained. We're waiting for someone, her aunt, actually, and we're a little surprised she isn't here yet. But once she gets here, we'll definitely need to eat. I'm starving already. How about just a small loaf of bread, the server asked. Perfect, he explained, exclaimed, not explained. (laughs) And the server walked off. This is going to be a delightful assignment. Am I right? He asked Cindy, sipping his beer. 
Cindy flashed him a disgusted look and turned to monitoring the exchange outside. Drinking break! Mm. Ooh, I do love doers. Yep, that's nice. I feel special when I say doers on the rocks. I don't know why. It's fun. All right. Here we go. An hour and a half later, Henry was working on his second drink. (laughs) I like this guy right now. (laughs) Usually I don't like Henry. (laughs) After a few attempts at small talk, Cindy had made it clear she was not interested in casual conversation. Henry instead busied himself with examining his surroundings and studying the people of the town. The tavern was slowly starting to build a crowd as the evening as evening approached. Not the uh, I think I could have put a V in there, really boosted my word count. Henry was still able to keep tabs on everyone who had entered and exited, not seeing anything of note. He was also considering ordering food in the meantime while waiting for any type of action. Nothing, Henry asked Cindy, who continued to stare out the window. Her obsession could be explained by his relatively lame story of waiting for her aunt. (laughs) His relatively lame story. That's a good description there, past Jeff. (laughs) Nothing, she responded. Henry figured he'd ask again in half an hour. Looking around the room, he had tried to make a note of anyone who could be a problem. The only threats he could really see were two men at the bar working on their second round in, by his count, 20 minutes. Ooh. Is that binge drinking? If you have two in 20 minutes, that would be six rounds in an hour. I think that counts as binge drinking. They always change the rules. I always used to think it was like five in an hour. Maybe it was like two hours. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I know it when I see it. How about that? <laughs> All right. Uh, the only blah, blah, blah. However, they also seemed interested in the windows, and he could clearly see weapons under their long leather overcoats. Looking back to his dining partner, he saw Cindy Tense grabbing the side of the table. Henry calmly sipped his beer. With his back to anything happening, it would be far too obvious if he turned around. It's happening, she said in a low voice. I don't want to, like, do too much, like, loud whispering this week, because my throat hurt after the last episode. I think I whispered a lot for some reason. Yeah. Placing his drink slowly on the table, he asked, What's happening? In the exchange, you ass, Cindy whispered. I can see some sort of fight inside the building. Henry glanced around the bar. One of the two armed men slapped his companion while looking out the window. Henry thought that Cindy was probably right. Lifting his mug to his lips, Henry watched Devon run down the street outside towards the exchange. Oh, Devon! Come on, we have to go, Cindy said, rising and grabbing Henry's robe. Uh, no, Henry said, lifting his mug again. We're not supposed to be charging into some sort of fight. Sit tight, we'll move if we need to. Cindy muttered something and ran from the tavern, leaving Henry seated alone at the table, alone. (laughs) That's right, alone twice in that sense. (laughs) Seated alone at the table, alone. (laughs) The server hurried over to him upon seeing Cindy leave. Is everything okay, sir? Oh, yes, I think she must have seen her aunt. Henry reached... Ah, okay, I was going a little too quick. Henry reached into his cloak, withdrawing a handful of coins. He continued, I think we're probably done for the day. What do I owe you? Henry handed the young woman payment with a healthy tip and asked if she would mind his finishing his drink. Oh, why would she mind? He paid for it. Okay. Once she had walked away, Henry leaned and looked out the window at the exchange behind his back. Something was clearly happening, but he couldn't see anything he could help with. The two armed men finally left the bar, looking serious and dire. 
As they approached the door, Henry chugged his remaining ale and stood to leave. Can't leave a wounded soldier, am I right? All right. He casually strolled from the front door and stood on the porch, looking up and down the road. He could hear the two men, now speaking loudly, walking down the alley next to the tavern. In the direction of the exchange, Henry could see a large pair of doors opening, large enough for a cart to enter. He leaned back against the tavern with his hands crossed over his chest and watched with interest. On his left, he saw horses emerge from the alley, pulling a cart. Atop the cart sat sat the two men from the bar. Only now, one had a loaded crossbow held upright beside his head. I think that's how you hold a crossbow, right? Like pointed at the sky? That's what I would do. I used to do um, archery in college, and I remember one tournament, a crossbow guy came, and he was freaking badass. Those things are accurate as hell. Like, uh, my, you know, for a good archery score out of 300, I'd shoot like a 230, 240 or something like this. The crossbow guy, same scoring system, shot a 297. So that meant three of his arrows the whole day didn't land bullseye. It was outstanding. I was like, this is so cool. But it's not an Olympic sport, so you're not going to get anywhere with it, you know? I guess you could hold up mercantile exchanges if you were good with a crossbow, huh? I wish I took up crossbow. I'm going to, you know what? I should get one. That sounds pretty awesome. But there's nowhere to shoot around me. Like, I have a fancy bow for archery, but I have nowhere to take it. It's so dumb. Ugh. Why isn't this a bigger sport? Oh, God damn it. I should have bought a yard with like 10 acres. I think that would have fixed everything. Then I could have just done it in my yard, right? All right. All right. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, atop the cart sat the two men from the bar, only now one had a loaded crossbow held upright beside his head. Crossbow obscured his view of Henry, which made life much easier for him. I think the him is Henry. All right. Henry pushed himself off the wall and thrust his left hand towards the two men, throwing the both off the cart. <laughs> I think that's supposed to be them both off the cart. (laughs) Casually, he walked around the horses, finding the two men slumped over each other unconscious. With a bit more magic, he moved the two bodies back into the alley. You know what? That's a good move. I would think bodies are heavy. I've never had to move one. All right. Henry climbed up onto the cart and sat down, taking the reins. He had no idea how to steer horses. Comma. Capital. He tested the reins. (laughs) Wow, this chapter's falling apart quick. (laughs) He tested the reins like he had seen in movies. (laughs) And the horses started forward. Pulling back, he got the beast to stop. Humph, he said out loud. This doesn't seem too hard. Hey, hey you, a man called from the open door in the exchange. Henry pointed at himself. Yes, come on, move it. Henry snapped the reins, but only one horse was struck. (laughs) The horse to his left started moving, and miraculously the other horse started after the cart shuddered under the unbalanced torque on the yokes. Well, that's nice. He pulled the rightmost rein, and he was able to maneuver the cart into the street. Henry exhaled sharply in relief. Okay, if anybody's ever, like, uh, handled horses, right into the show, because... I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I've I've seen horses. Does that help? But I've never... I don't think I've ever even been on a horse in my life. Like, not even at, like, uh, like pony rides or the petting zoo or anything like that. I guess they'd probably frown on that at the petting zoo, but... <laughs> all right, all right. So if that was accurate, let me know. I, I really don't think it was. Um... He approached the open door by cart slowly. What? He approached the open door by cart slowly. (laughs) What is that? (laughs) Okay. Then jerked back on the reins, causing the cart itself to jerk as the horses suddenly stopped. Oh, oh, that probably made noise. I bumped the table. My bad. All right. A man with long knives on... Oh, his belt... 
looks suspiciously at Henry. Where's the other guy? There's supposed to be two of you, he said. Drunk at the tavern. He's down the alley, actually, passed out, Henry explained calmly. Man can't hold his whiskey. Fine, he conceded. Turning into the building again, he yelled, Come on, our ride's here. Henry watched with an impassive expression as two men pulled a handcart laden with sacks towards the door. Although the sacks were labeled wheat, Henry guessed they contained something considerably heavier based on the effort the men were putting into pushing it. Is that all of it? Henry asked as he climbed over the seat and into the cart's bed. I think this cart's like a pickup truck. You know what I mean? You're going to jump over the big flat area. Yeah. One man pushing the cart. Oh, Jesus Christ. We're using carts in two different places here, right? Because there's a hand cart and the cart Henry drove. Okay, so the guy is pushing the hand cart, right? One man pushing the hand cart. All right, let's get that clear. Looked up at him in disbelief. Yes, how much were you expecting, he asked. Not expecting an answer, Henry shrugged and walked to the side of the cart. He didn't show it, but he was shocked these men didn't suspect him at all. Henry waved... Sorry, I had to pause there. I was confused as to what this sentence meant. Henry waved the men over with the bags. One handed him a sack, and he found it surprisingly weighty. How did everything go in there, he asked. They all chuckled, and the lookout said, They still think we're hiding in the southern vault. Putting the first sack down, he saw that the two cartmen were both holding heavy bags. Seeing his opportunity, Henry leapt from the cart into the two cartmen while sending a... He's leaping from the one he drove, right? Uh, Into the two cartmen while sending a burst of magic into the lookout, knocking his head into the doorframe. The lookout slumped harmlessly on the ground. Meanwhile, each of Henry's feet found one of the cartmen, and they both fell backwards. Ooh, like a ninja. He just, like, kicked two people. It's exciting. Um, The man on Henry's left landed with his head on the edge of the still-loaded cart. The second landed on his back on the ground, and Henry managed to roll head over heels, just left... What? Oh, my God. Get a load of this sentence. Okay. The second landed on his back on the ground, and Henry managed to roll head over heels just left to his right, <laughs> landing back on his feet. So he was just left to the man's right side, I guess. I don't think anybody's ever said just left to his right. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Wouldn't that be... Okay, I guess if the left is Henry, right? So that's Henry's left. And it's the Cartman's right. So, all right. So that does work, I guess. This is really bad. Oh, oh. All right. I have a headache from this. (laughs) Who else is just appalled? But all right. Uh, Turning, he saw the last Cartman regaining his feet and reaching for something inside his coat. I wouldn't, Henry threatened. You don't frighten, was all the man said, before Henry sent him flying across the street into the stone wall of a building. Looking carefully at each of the bandits, Henry was sure that they sure they had each been effectively disarmed. Peeking into the exchange, Henry contemplated his next course of action. He could enter the exchange and locate the other mages, risking the possibility of either friendly or surprise enemy fire. Alternatively, he could sit outside and wait, which might take considerably longer. The decision was moot when a guard emerged from the alley adjacent to the mercantile with a crossbow aimed level at Henry. Hold it, he warned. Don't even try to climb on the cart. Uh, I'm a mage, Henry lamely explained. It occurred to him that it occurred to him he didn't actually know what to say in this circumstance. Lawman? Enforcer? He thought to himself. As if 
Just noticing the men lying about Henry, he yelled down the alley, crossbow still aimed, Back here! We got him! Three more guards rushed around the corner, stopping surprised when they surveyed the scene down the street. Two proceeded to walk down to Henry, who just noticed his hands were actually raised. He dropped them slowly and relaxed. I said to freeze, the original guard screamed at him. No, I don't think you said to freeze, Henry explained. I believe you said to hold it, and I'm clearly not going anywhere. I stopped them. You'll need to go get the other mages. Is there anyone else inside? One of the approaching guards asked. Henry shrugged. He turned back and waved his companions forward. Make sure the loading bays are clear, he said, pointing into the exchange. Ooh, this is exciting, isn't it? Let's see what happens on the next page. Coming up to Henry, he said, sorry about all that. Who, who, who's he? Uh, one of the guards, I guess. I get, all right. Henry replied, no problem, but noted that the guard hadn't actually gone to help his friends. He was also still holding a loaded crossbow. Henry rubbed his eyes. Long day, the guard asked. I've been sitting all day just staring at the street, Henry asked. Answered, not asked. It's been a bit dull. A handful of the mages, including Sidney, now ran out of the loading doors, staring in shock at the scene. I also didn't have very talkative company all day. Anyway, are we done here? I could go for some food. Oh, Henry. Guess what? Drinking break! Ooh. Mm. My scotch is getting a little watered down, but it is tasty. Mm. Mm. I don't know. So, see, that was actually some, like, excitement. Henry did some fighting. Very exciting. Okay. Okay. Ahem. Janie was sitting at the kitchen table when the door to her house slammed. She looked up from the book she had been reading to see Margot storm past towards the bedrooms. Hey, hey, Janie called. Wait a second. What? Margot said, turning to face Janie with rage in her eyes. Janie knew Margot relatively well, so she wasn't fazed by her angrier moments. What's wrong? Did something happen? Janie asked calmly. Okay, what's wrong? Did something happen? Janie asked calmly. Janie thought Margot might turn and storm off, and indeed, she looked as if there was some indecision for a silent moment before she walked back to the table and sat heavily in a chair next to Janie. Looking at the ceiling, Margot started, Can't just be me. Oh, okay, I already botched that. I can't just be me, can I? Janie said nothing, remaining silent. Finally, her friend began speaking again. So today, I was actually sent to train one of the patrols on how to melt into the shadows. When it was over, two of them came over to me to ask if I might be able to get them in contact with maybe my brother or sister, or at least put in a good word for them. Janie sighed. (sighs) Some people might not know... And then later, Margot continued, ignoring Janie, when I stopped by the assignment board, I found one of my work assignments changed. According to my boss, there are a few people who refuse to work around me because of my name. She looked at Janie, then put her face in her hands, leaning on her, el- leaning on her elbows on the table. Janie closed her book, contemplating what to do. She decided to try reaching over to Margot's shoulder. Not sure what reaction this might precipitate. Ooh, big word. Crying or storming away or nothing, it turned out, to Janie's great relief. Margot's face emerged from her hands, dry but frowning. Sorry for all the yelling and noise and complaining, Margot said. It's fine. You need to vent, Janie said. Do you want something to drink? Just a cup of tea, Margot said. Janie rose and prepared a pot of water, hanging it inside the fireplace. Neither of the women could heat something with magic. Oh! (laughs) I thought it might be different here, Margot eventually said. I'm so far from the northern mountains, but still. 
Not everyone is afraid of you or trying to use you, Margot, Janie explained. Hell, Pauline has no idea who your family is. Neither does Henry. And I'm sitting here, right? So that's three people, Margot muttered. So that's three people, Margot muttered. For now, she added, frowning again. <laughs> what does, what's that mean? Janie asked. Those two will come around, Margot said. They'll be like everyone else. Janie laughed at her. Are you kidding? First of all, Pauline likes you. That's a done deal. And Henry, well, he's too oblivious to everyone else's opinions. Maybe, Margot said, smirking. Drinking break! Ooh! Ooh. There better not be too much more to this chapter, because we are done. Mm. What do you think? Does, uh, Margot smirked at those statements. Maybe she just thinks Henry's a spoon. That's what I think. All right. Upon returning to the temple, Henry headed straight to his house to change clothes prior to dinner. He felt stale and slightly greasy. I get that. You know what I mean? Like, sweaty. Ugh. From his afternoon of sitting and watching almost nothing. After changing, he left for Janie's house to see if he could coax her into joining him for dinner. He knew he wouldn't see her for a few days. Okay, do we know why he won't see her for a few days? Is this because she's going to do some, like, healing thing? I think that was in one of the meetings. <laughs> So he thought he'd take the opportunity to say goodbye while he ate. If he was lucky, he thought to himself, he could also get Margot to come along. He arrived at Janie's house minutes late. <sighs> sorry, sorry. Let me. Can I restart that? Ugh. You know, this podcast would be way different if I edited. <laughs> but like this book, it's not going to get edited. <laughs> All right. He arrived at Janie's house minutes later and knocked on the wooden door. Inside, he heard a scraping chair and walking. Janie pulled the door open, surprised. Henry, you're back, she exclaimed. Yeah, I was heading to dinner. Do you want to come, he asked. Uh, yeah, all right. I already ate, but I'll sit and make fun of you, she said. Give me a second. Henry followed her into the house, standing at the threshold. There was nobody else in the common room. Did anyone else want to come, he asked. Janie looked up at him, asking, Who? I thought if Margot and Pauline wanted to come. They're not home, Janie said. She stood, now wearing shoes and adding another inch to her considerable height. I haven't seen Pauline all day, and Margot went out meant bleh, and Margot went for a walk. By herself? Henry asked. She's a big girl, she'll be fine, Janie said. No, I meant he started, then paused to figure out the safest wording. I didn't know if she went out with someone. On her walk, you know? Janie looked at him with a scrunched face, not understanding. No, I do not. Regardless, you'll have me all to yourself. That'll have to do, he said, and the pair started down the path, closing the door behind them. And that ends chapter seven. Well, that chapter was quite the departure from some of these earlier ones. Am I right? We actually got to see some magic. Something happened during it. Oh, so much the better. Am I right? Oh, my God. Um, I guess it was pretty heavy on the Henry, right? Because he was doing all the fighting. We got to see how much his co-workers didn't like him, Cindy at least. I guess we haven't really seen Devon be a douchebag yet. Is that, oh, did I ruin, is that a spoiler alert? Yeah, yeah, it is a little bit. <laughs> I'm just flipping back through the chapter, but yeah, Cindy clearly despises Henry, so for whatever reason, you know, and that's fine because I don't think he likes her, her at all. Um, one thing I noticed, though, in this chapter is, for whatever reason, there were a lot of, uh, like, hyphenated words. And again, I was getting the hyphen, like, space, dash, and then the rest of the word. Like, it was putting that space in again. I don't know how or why that's occurring. And it was even worse because there was a couple of them, like, uh, 
All right. Am I really going to look this up? There was a word that had multiple dashes in it. Like, you know, it's stringing together multiple words at once. I think it's real early. Uh, But anyway, only the first... Oh, here we go. Mother-to-be is mother-space-to-b. Like... Why is the space only occurring with the first dash? I don't, I don't understand. I really screwed up like the typesetting here. Although you got to admit, in this print copy, I don't think there's been a single time where it's popped into the margins, like in Bring Balance where that happened. Basically all the time. Once per chapter, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I kind of like this chapter, though. Henry showed a little bit of his magical powers. Some of it was a little unclear when I was reading through it. Like, uh, when he was, when he thrust his, all right, here it is. Henry pushed himself off the wall and thrust his left hand towards the two men, throwing the both off the cart, right? We remember that part. It's not actually the, uh, what do I want to say? I don't actually explicitly say he used magic until a little bit later in that paragraph, which is kind of weird. It kind of sounds like he punched them with his left hand off the cart, which clearly wasn't the case. I, I don't know. It's not bad. It's not bad. I, I like this chapter. It didn't have a lot of problems with it. Margot seemed a little lame and complainy, but other than that, it was all right, I think. It was okay. So, I mean... What are we going to do? We're already at like 42 minutes into this podcast, so we might as well move along to our discussion questions. Okay. Question one. Cindy clearly scolds Henry for drinking at work. Oh, oh my ice melted. All right. So, question one. What are your opinions on drinking at work? I remember my job right out of college, the, uh, the employee handbook, Glenn will remember some of this, like the employee handbook, I'm not implying Glenn drinks at work, <laughs> we were just making fun of the employee handbook that it said that you won't be at work drunk, I think it actually used the word drunk, you won't be drunk at work, and uh I mean, the only definition we could come up with was, well, that must mean legally drunk, right? So you could be a little drunk, just, you know, as much as you needed to be legal to drive was the limit, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it was it was very vague. Oh, and you couldn't drink on the premises. So you had to show up. You had to pregame work, I guess, if you were going to go into, <laughs> into their drunk. <laughs> But, I mean, because if it says you can't be at work drunk, I mean, if they provide no further definition, I guess you would assume legally drunk, right? I, I, I don't think there's any other way to read that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember my father said back in the day, I'm doing quote symbols for the live audience. You guys all see that? Back in the day, liquid lunches were, so we're talking like 80s. Way more popular. <laughs> you know, he would say things like, what do you mean, food? <laughs> we, they would just go to the bar for an hour and then go back to work, right? And I think that maybe early 2000s, that started coming back around. Because my dad would complain in like the 90s. A lot of people were, for lunch, they would go for a jog or something like that. And he, I tried to, you know calm him down and be like, well, guess what? You know, now that I'm in the workforce, yeah, drinking at lunch is a thing again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with it, right? If I can still do my job or my job seems a little more fun in the afternoon, what's the issue, right? I don't think there is one. Okay, question two. All right, so let's read some of this. Henry is fighting those guys. And what is, I thought of this question because he, uh, when he jumps off the cart and then he, um, um, let me see, putting down the first sack, he saw the two cart men were both holding heavy bags. Seeing his opportunity, Henry leapt from the cart into the two cart men while sending a burst of magic into the lookout, knocking his head into the door frame. The lookout slumped harmlessly to the ground. So I think we can safely assume the lookout is now concussed. Um, he sends somebody into a stone wall, too, across the street. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Um, so what is my question? What I want to ask is, uh, have you ever been concussed? He's clearly concussed and in a bad way, right? I like to say that, you know, I've played soccer all my life and, you know, I hate using my head in soccer, like to, you know, hit a ball with my head. I despise it. However, I've done it plenty and... Let's be honest, every time I do it, it's probably a concussion. <laughs> but, alright, so I'm assuming none of them have been bad. Like, I've never, like, fallen over and then not remembered what just happened. So, I'm thinking I've never been severely concussed, I guess, or not, like, medically or sports medicine-y concussed. <laughs> have you ever been concussed, though? That's my question. I would think... um I would think most people have probably gotten one at some point, even if they didn't know it. You know, they just had a headache. I would assume if your head ever hurts after something that you got hit in the head from, that's a concussion. <laughs> Saying it's not a concussion is just lying to yourself. <laughs> yeah, have you ever been concussed? Ooh, even better if you don't remember it. <laughs> that's because that's a good concussion, right? <laughs> all right, all right. Um, okay. Finally, in that heist, they had sacks of money. And I think they even point out in this book that it was uh, coinage was in there. So I guess the world of magic has not advanced to having paper money. Which, you know, they haven't entered the, what, 1800s yet? Yeah, not good, not good. So, alright, so Henry's lifting sacks onto the cart. How much do you think a sack of coins weighs? That's my question. They always show it in, like, cartoons with the dollar sign. Sure, right? But we're assuming it's not full of, like, $100 bills in those cartoons. We're assuming it's full of coins. I think. That's what I assumed. And I think some of the cartoons show, like, gold coins falling out of it with the dollar signs. So, how much do you think that weighs? I'm going to go ahead and say... I mean, this is a bag of metal, right? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say, because, like, have you ever rolled quarters? I mean, $20 a quarter weighs a shit ton. And to have, like, a bag full of $20 of, you know, multiple $20, that doesn't make any sense. Have a bag full of quarters, is it would weigh a shit ton. So I'm going to say, like, a sack of coins... Even if it's a small sack, is going to weigh easily. Like, let's say, I'm trying to put this in terms, we have a cat here at home who doesn't do anything. But, like, a three-pound bag of cat food is big, but that doesn't weigh anything, because it's all air. You know, I'm getting ripped off. I get it, Purina. You're, you're skimping. But, like, uh, maybe litter would be closer to it, and then, like, a small thing of litter is still, you're at, like, 25 pounds. I'm going to say with the coins, a sack of coins, I'm going to go 75 pounds. That's what a sack of coins weighs. Yeah. If you have a better, or if you're uh, European or living in communist Canada, I would say it's probably 150, wait, 2.2 kilograms in a pound. All right. I'm going to say it's 150 kilograms, huh? Right. 2.2. Yeah. 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 So it would be. More, right, yeah. I'm going to say it's that, huh? How about that? All right, so write in. What do you think a sack of money weighs? I don't actually have a reference, so I'm just looking for opinions. <laughs> if anybody knows where you look up how much a sack of money weighs, then yeah, you get a lot of free time on your hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those are our discussion questions, but... I'm really interested in what people's opinions are on the first one with like drinking at work. I've heard people who work from home say, you know, having a beer at lunch, not a big deal because I'm at home. What am I going to do? You know, I, I'm just interested in what people have to say about that. I don't think it's particularly controversial. And actually, I think it's a little more black and white. Like my lovely wife, Laura, would say that is not acceptable because she is... What I want to say, she follows the rules. She is a good cookie. Yep. Anybody paying her to work? Good for you. <laughs> you got somebody there that's incorruptible, I'd say. <laughs> I, on the other hand, may be slightly corruptible. <laughs> Not from like a, uh, 
like white collar crime standpoint, more from like, uh, you know, I do need some paper clips at home. <laughs> but that's about it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, what, a drink at work? What are you going to do? Eh, some people, sometimes you got to have a little beer at lunch because people are driving you insane. That's my personal opinion on the matter. And I don't see really the problem with it. So, yeah. So next week, we're going to go into chapter eight. Good news, if you're a big fan of meetings, I believe they attend one in this chapter. <laughs> that would make, so next chapter, if they go to a staff meeting, that will be, what, the third staff meeting in this book that we actually get to hear and write about and attend? Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Let's see. Um, boop, 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 boop. Okay, I think chapter eight is going to be a fun one. A lot of drinking breaks, so definitely fun for me. I wouldn't cancel yet. I know I said that there's a staff meeting, but I think you're going to be happy with this. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, um, but at this point, if we're at chat, what, what were we at? We're in like, we're getting close to, I don't know, a third of the way through this book. We're already on page 52, a quarter of the way through the book, right? Because it's about 192 pages. Let's round up to 200. So yeah, I'd say we're about 25% done with this fine work of literature and still quite dull. Am I right? <laughs> but I think we're going to get some exciting bits coming on. So if you want to tell me about how much you hate this book or how much you like this book, why don't you head over to jeffreadsbook.com and I have a few ways to contact me there. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at Fortran Jeff, and then hopefully I'll check my notifications and see that you wrote me. But I'm real bad about that, so yeah, what are you going to do? Uh, also, you can go to jba at mastodon.sdf.org and write to me if you're on Mastodon in the Fediverse. Or you could just send me an email if you're a normal person. It's at jba at sdf.org. Org. And you know what? Last week, I didn't post my episode on Reddit at all. And I might not even have posted about it on uh, Mastodon. I was a little bit of, I was a little bit bad about that. So I got to get on that shit. I think this week, I'll have a little extra time to do this. We'll see. We'll see. I'm getting this podcast done on time. So that's good. And then hopefully Monday, I can edit this up nice and quick and throw it out there for everybody to hear and for their enjoyment. And I keep meaning to check the freaking download logs to see how many listeners I have, but does it really matter at this point? The podcast is just fun to listen to, I think. I enjoy it. I always tell my lovely wife, Laura, that this is exactly the type of podcast that I listen to, so I'm totally happy with it. Maybe the audio quality could be better, and I'm working on that. You might notice this episode sounds a little different. I changed a setting on my sweet $40 microphone, so it could be a little better. I'm not sure. I think it sounds better when I pop the headphones on and listen to this. So, Well, anyway, that's about it for this week. So, until next time, keep on reading! Mm-hmm.